as we continue on in this series, as we continue on in this, in this series, uh, which is called In Love, um, and, and comes out of uh, Paul's letter um, to the Ephesians, uh, we're, we're, moving, we're moving through now, um, pretty much through almost all of the fifth chapter, and we're at the fifth chapter, the 15th verse. And so I'm going to just go ahead and read these few verses, and then I'm going to go back and get us sort of caught up as to where, to where we are. So listen now for the word of the Lord. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts giving thanks to God the Father at all times for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here ends the reading. So if you were someone that didn't know anything about um, the letter to the Ephesians and about lots of places in the Bible, but but especially throughout this sort of section from chapter 4 on, um, through chapter six, you would you would say, "Oh, this is the Bible that I've heard about," because it's it's the preachy part, right? It's it's the wagging the finger part, or at least that's what it feels like. And so, if you're disconnected from the context of, of what's happening, it can it can feel like, "Well, what what is this about?" It can, and 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 still to this day, these sections of the scripture get used. They get used to separate one from another. They get used to separate people because it says, well, if you're not doing this, then you're not one of us. If you're doing that, then you're not one of us. And so that's, that, that's how this, I, I think, gets, can get a little misconstrued when it gets divorced from the context of, of where this is and what's happening. Now, can we learn from this? Of course we can. Because we believe that uh, we, we talk about how the scripture has some authority for us in our lives. And as Presbyterians, we also hold that um, scripture is authority, but, but, but that each one of us has a conscience, and that God is the Lord of the conscience, and that we have a brain, and that we're supposed to use that brain and that mind and the community to discern what we're supposed to do with, with the scripture. So with all of that caveat, I want to sort of move into uh, talking about the context a little bit. So, again, this is a letter to the Ephesians. This is to a, a congregation. So this is, this is to a living group of people in Ephesus. And Ephesus is a port city, which means there are lots of different kinds of people there because it's a major trading uh, city at the time. So it's very cosmopolitan, as we would say. There are pe- lots of people of different faiths, from different countries, um, uh, probably in some ways from all over what would have been as the known world at that time uh, because, because it was this, this trading city and a major one. And in this community, you have, you have uh, Gentiles you know, and Jews together. And so Paul, in the first part of the letter, is, is basically theologically telling them, you are of one body. You're, you're, you're one family now. You're, you're in Christ 
you know, you're, you're, there's not Jew, there's not Greek or Gentile anymore. He's trying to bring them together and remind them of that. And then in sort of the second half of the letter, he's, I think what he's doing is he knows some of the things that are going on in the, in the larger community, but also in the church community that might be causing some problems. And he's trying to address those by giving them these, these sort of prescriptives. And we didn't read many of those prescriptives. Um, and this is also um, right after this, if, if you're reading in your Bible, you'll see this is the infamous wives be subject to your husband chapter, chapter five. So that's after this. I'm not dealing with that today. Okay. I'm just not, I'm, we're not going to, we're not going there. We're not going there. We can go there some other time. Um, uh, because of course, I think that gets often quite uh, misinterpreted and, and quite uh, mistaken. There's lots of, lots of still stuff about that today, you know, even after the first century. So, so as, we, as, we move, as we move into this, Paul's been um, writing, he's been writing, you know, all of these things about, about um, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. But the heart of it all, in some ways, I think, goes back to this phrase, in love. Back in chapter 3, verse 17, he says, um, do all of these things that you, may you be strengthened in your inner being through the Spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. And then he goes on to say in chapter 4, um, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Right? Whenever I do this, that means say in love, okay? Um, so, uh, bearing with one another in love. Very good. So, so, so he continually comes back to this, and in, that, in the start of the fourth chapter, to lead a life worthy is to really walk worthily this life. That's the, the, actual, the, the actual Greek is more, um, lead is actually the word, it, we can translate it walk, so it's how we actually live our, our lives um, worthily in God. So, so you have all of this, you have all of this, um, and he keeps coming back to this, to this theme about living. Very good. So see, I got you on your toes now. So, so as we move, um, move through this then, in chapter 5, last week we talked about, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, as beloved children, and live... Right. So again, back and forth, back and forth. He'll, he'll talk about do this, do this, do this, but the reason why is this. And the reason why we do that in love is because God is love and we are rooted and grounded in God. So as a community, that's what he's saying. When we came together, you are now rooted and grounded in God. All that other stuff is, is gone away. Who, you know, you're in some sense, your heritage, your traditions, your history, all of that. You are now rooted and grounded in God. And in, the, and in Ephesians, if you're hearing it, you'll hear that it's a very Trinitarian sort of thing. He, he always has the Father and the Son and the Spirit just all the way through it. Even in this passage, you hear, you hear him saying, well, you know, be filled with the Spirit Give thanks to God the Father at all ta- times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's just a very strong Trinitarian um, depth of feeling here. 
And, and of course, as you know, we, that's, that's what we are. In, in some ways, I, I've often said this and other people have said this, we ought to be called Trinitarians, not Christians. Because we, we, yes, we follow Christ and Christ is the center of our faith, but God, our God, is a Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that, that really messes with people's heads. So just, if it's messing with yours right now, just understand that. It's, it's fine. I have, I have multiple books on my shelf, not just multiple, many, many, many books on my shelf that talk about the Trinity. Um, and sometimes they agree with each other, sometimes they don't, sometimes they argue, you know, all that sort of thing. So, so then Paul, so Paul then comes to this, he comes to this, be careful then, be careful then how you live, or we could translate that walk, be careful then how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Now, this sounds, I mean, this sounds really negative, doesn't it? I mean, this sounds like a, a great Baptist preacher could really just go all kinds of places with this, right? Because the days are evil. You've got to watch out for the days because the days are going to get you. Get your life straight. Live as wise, not as unwise. Make the most of the time. It's an interesting phrase. In the Greek, it can also be translated redeem the time. Or, and redemption is like buying something back. Buy back the time. Redeem the time. Because the, the days are, are evil, or um, the, the Greek has a number of... Uh, number of, of permutations. One of the ones that I really liked is, is the days are filled with pain. See some of you nodding your heads. That's a little easier to wrap our head around than the days are evil. Because I know that for some of us, the days are filled with pain, literally. Chronic pain, illness, addictions. Maybe not for ourselves, but maybe for somebody else in our life. We, we, we know it doesn't, it doesn't take much to look around and see evil. I mean, if we look at it that way, pain in the world, things that we go, that just isn't how it should be. And so he's just encouraging them, you know, be careful. It's an interesting, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most, redeeming the time because the days are evil. But how, how are we supposed to do that? Well, he goes on and he says, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish. And again, the, the translation of the Greek word there, you can use foolish, but it also says, don't lack perspective. Oh, that means if I'm rooted and grounded in love, maybe I'm supposed to have a different perspective because I'm looking at it from a different point of view. You often hear me say that, that as people of faith, we, we, are, we are called to look through God's lenses of love for how God wants things to be, to how, how God wants us to treat people and care for them. And that, and, that when we, and, and that when we begin to look with that kind of perspective, we, we feel pain more deeply because 
We know that God is grieved by the brokenness, by our brokenness and by the things we do to each other in the world and the things, many of the things that are happening. But we also, when we, when we, when we look through with that perspective, we begin to see where things are happening that are really beautiful and wonderful. When people who wouldn't have to reach out and align themselves with the sinners and the outcasts of today. When people care for others who are not necessarily in their social group (laughs) or in their circle of influence. And that's something that, that perspective is something that, um, you know, we as a congregation, uh, especially the the elders, um, we we seek to, to think about all the time. Where are we aligning ourselves? Are we aligning ourselves with the head of the church? who is Christ? Are we aligning ourselves that way or are we letting all the concerns, all these other concerns, get in our way? Because when you, when you live in love, love sees differently. Just think about if you've ever fallen in love with someone. Or if you, if you, you know, if you, have a, if, if you are a parent and, and, you, and you, you, know, you have a child... And, all the, and, and, you know, you fall in love with that child. All of a sudden, you see that child differently. I mean, we know that, that um, when a child is born, a woman's body is, is, is flooded with, with a chemical that makes her want to love that child. It, it almost physically compels the woman to love that child. So no matter how ugly that baby is, that is the cutest baby to ever be on the earth. Right? And, and then the rest of us just agree because we know that we got a mama bear in our hands and we're not going to mess with her, you know? So I make light of that. But, but, when you, but love sees differently. Um, and so we have a different perspective. We don't have this foolish perspective as if nothing matters, as if our time doesn't matter, as if our actions don't matter. I mean, that's the, the other thing that Paul's talking about here is that make the most of the time because it matters, in a sense, he wants, to, he wants to remind us that, that there's an eternal perspective to time, that the things that we do affect others. Not just now, but out into the ripples of generations. We know this in negative ways as we, as we look at families where there's addiction in the family. It'll just ride the generations, and maybe it'll skip one, but boy, it'll come back with a vengeance after that. We just see that, how, how our actions and how we live then affects those who come after us. When we have that kind of eternal perspective, boy, love will make you act differently too. Love will make you act differently too. So then he, so, so then he goes on and it, it helps you to see what the will of the Lord is, what, what God would want you to do because you're looking, you're looking with love. You're rooted and grounded in God in such a way that you're looking with love at what's going on in the world. And, it, and, it's, and sometimes those decisions are going to be very hard and very unpopular. Because when you're rooted and grounded in love, love causes you to spend your money differently. Again, if you've ever fallen in love, guys... You know that um, you know you're much more willing to spend money in a different way on that particular someone, and maybe girls are too. I don't have that perspective, so maybe you are. I don't know. Maybe when you do that, I mean, you're, you're able. You're, you're you're willing to do other things. Yesterday we were at Lewis Ginner Botanical Gardens, and we saw. Oh, it was great. 
It was great. You know, what's beautiful there, the, the, it, this, it's so gorgeous. If you haven't been, go. But so we saw all of these guys, right? Got my hat and my sunglasses. Got my T-shirt and my chest is pumped up. Baby carriage. And I know that they are there and not down in the pub having a beer because Mama said, that's where we're going with the baby today. You know, love causes you to spend your time a little bit differently because, you know, it was just, it was really, it was really funny. It was just, you know, you, it was like, it was like somebody was pumping out carbon copies of these guys. It was just boom, 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 boom. And, you know, I'm not following them. I'm making light, just, but, but um, love definitely um, will cause you to, to live differently and to make different choices, to spend your money differently. And when we look with that perspective. So then there's this interesting, interesting phrase. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And so, and so of course, good, I mean, this is great Baptist stuff right here, because, you know, I mean, uh, you know the old story, right? That um, Protestants don't recognize the Pope. Um, oh, shoot, I just lost it. Um, but anyway, but Baptists don't recognize each other in the liquor store. Right, you know, so don't don't get drunk with wine, but that's de- debauchery. Well, interesting. I I never really knew what debauchery meant, and one of the one of the translations or one of the and, uh, and of the word that debauchery comes out of in the in the Greek is wastefulness. Don't get drunk with wine because it's wastefulness. One, you're just wasting the wine, probably. But two, think of think about think about. Uh, if you've ever been inebriated, I know none of you have, but if you ever have been inebriated, it's, it's sort of a waste of time, isn't it? And so if you're, if you're, paying, if you're, you're trying to be wise with the time, think about that. And, and also, um, we know that the cult of Dionysus was pretty strong at this time in, in this area, the cult of Dionysus. And one of the things that the, the cult of Dionysus did for their worship was they just got rip-roaring drunk. Because they, they, they thought, and then they would, then whatever happened, happened, basically. Um, that was part of their, part of how they worshipped Dionysus, was just, was just to drink and drink and drink and to have a big party and, and to, you know. So Paul is sort of, I think Paul's using this too as a metaphor, like, don't do that. Be filled with the Spirit when you sing your songs and your hymns and your spiritual songs. Do that in thanksgiving to God. Don't get drunk with wine. Don't waste the time. Don't waste the time. It comes back to this. How, how do you act? How do you live? How do you work when you're rooted and grounded in love? And then it goes to this phrase which has got my attention. As you sing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs among yourselves, singing, making melody to the Lord in your hearts, that's why we taught the kids a song this morning, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. And the Greek translation there is all things. (laughs) I mean, and all people. Everyone and everything. Give thanks at all times for everyone and everything. Feel a little intimidated by that? Give thanks at all times for everyone and everything. Wow. Because there's lots I'm not thankful for. 
at times, you know. When I, when I hear about, when I hear about some, something going on in somebody's family, I'm, I'm not thankful for that, that that's going on in their family, right? I, I don't, that doesn't seem right to me. Why, why would I give thanks to God for that? But maybe that's not what it means, even though, even though translation is all things. Maybe Paul's trying to say to this community, when you're rooted and grounded in love, when, you, when, when, when your basis is you're looking out um, on, on these evil, painful days from, a perspective, from God's eternal perspective, then maybe giving thanks is the first response that we are called to give. To give thanks for what is well and right in the world and in our life because there is always something to be thankful for. No matter what's happening. And now, I, I wouldn't be saying this to someone if they're right in the midst of some horrible thing. Oh, well, there's something to be thankful for here. Just give thanks. Now, that's probably not helpful. Though I'm sure that maybe, maybe you've had that happen to you. When, when you've been going through something and somebody says, oh, well, you know, the Lord is good. Yes, I know. Could you just hold my hand, please? You know? Could you just, could, would you just give me a little comfort here first? We'll have that discussion later. Right? But maybe, maybe when we're, as we're rooted and grounded in love, our, our first response is, is that we are called to give thanks for what is good and right. And maybe the opportunities that we might be given in the midst of that, in the midst of that situation, as, as difficult as it is, to be those people who could be rooted and grounded in love and to give thanks. And to begin to redeem those painful, evil days. The theologian G. Porter Taylor wrote, an attitude of thanksgiving, with an attitude of thanksgiving, um, well, an attitude of thanksgiving, sorry, requires a radical openness to our experience. To just receive the day that the Lord has made. Oh, a radical openness to existence, to our experience, to just receive the day that the Lord has made. And I know that in my life, as I've, um, over, the, over a number of years, have really worked to, to, to see more gratefully my life, that as I've done that, and when I'm looking for thanksgiving, I'm able to embrace life more. Because the more I look for it, the more I see it, even in the midst of the difficulty that I might be going through, the congregation might be going through, or my family might be going through, and I can embrace life. Because when we give thanks in love, we do it because God first loved us. And set us free to love God and to love one another and to love ourselves and to love our neighbor. And that love sees differently, it makes different choices, and it walks differently when we are rooted and grounded in God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
So may you this week seek thanksgiving and may it find you and may you give thanks in love. Amen.